0: This is the Horse Radio Network good morning, everybody, and welcome to Thursday. Of course, the first Thursday of the month is the driving episode that I normally do with Dr. Wendy Ying, but we are on vacation this week, so we thought we would bring you a past episode, and I dug back to March the 15th of 2016, where we bring you Wendy's story. That's right. I put Wendy on the hot seat to tell her story about how she became a veterinarian, how she became, how she got into driving, uh, you know, from, from her roots in Virginia, and And uh, Massachusetts. It's a fascinating story to hear all about Wendy's life, and I thought for those of you that are new listeners, it it might be fun to listen to, and for for the old-timers, it might be fun to revisit Wendy's story. So that's what this is. This is a special episode we did about four years ago where Wendy got to tell her story. So here you go. Meet Dr. Wendy Ying. This is episode 244 of the Driving Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are the American Driving Society, Driving Digest, and Road to the Horse. This is Glenda Geek. And I'm
1: Wendy Ying, and you're listening to The Driving Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network.
0: And we have a show planned for you today. Wendy has no idea what she's got herself into. You know, we have so many new listeners to the show, Wendy, that we thought we would uh, do something a little different today. The only guest on the show today is you. Oh, my God. You are the guest. (laughs) And I am going to interview you. All right. So we're going to start at the beginning and we're going to go to the end. But this is going to be kind of the biography of Wendy. You know, I think a lot of the new listeners don't realize how far up you got in, in the whole driving world. And, you know, they, they, they like you. We have a lot of people that listen to this show because, just because they like you and they're not drivers oh. at all.
1: You know why? Because they're waiting to see if I'm going to swear on the air or not. <laughs>
0: Or, or sexually kind of harass some handsome guests. <laughs> what kind of wacky thing you're going to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I thought it would be fun this week for to learn more about Wendy. And because we have so many new listeners, I just thought this might be a good time. So I hope you all enjoy this. And, you know, before we get started, I do want a couple housekeeping things. One is we have now have signed contracts in hand f- uh, from our title sponsors for... Radiothon 2016. Yay! So the second annual Radiothon is going to happen. We are actually much further ahead time wise than we were last year. Yep. So I hope Wendy that you can you'll entertain coming up and sitting in of again. Of course. That was a lot of fun. I love Radiothon. We might uh, maybe we can get Jamie or or Helena or somebody to come down too. It'd be fun just to have an p- all day party in the uh, studio it here. It should be an all day party. And that that uh, we're very excited about. That's going to be November the twenty eighth uh, Cyber Monday. That's the Monday after Thanksgiving. So it'll be twelve hours live, just like last year. And it, we're, we're, you know, we're already talking about what big name guests we can get and oh yeah, what kind of fun things we can do to to. But you know, last year it went, went so well. I you know we're going to run it kind of the same way. We'll have a new theme this year. It'll be holiday related, but. We we're gonna try and come up with a new topic of conversation every year. That
1: sounds good. And of course, we need need another George doll. We need the George
0: too. (laughs) We'll have voicemails, of course. You know, we're gonna have our listeners contribute because that was such a big part of last year's radiothon. That's
1: what I like the best about it
0: and our call in you know our listeners calling in and thousands of dollars in prizes let's not forget that either oh yeah the prizes were great <laughs> so we're get, we got a lot of cool things coming up for this year's radiothon and, uh, I, you know, as we're speaking, as uh, this is coming out on Tuesday. I am on my way on Wednesday to Road to the Horse. Don't forget to check out our coverage this weekend. Go to Horses in the Morning Facebook page or horsesinthemorning.com, and you can find all the details about the live Road to the Horse coverage coming up this weekend. That is brought to you by our friends at Horse Lovers. For all of your shopping needs, the largest online retailer for the horse world. At Horselovers.com. They are providing, uh, they are the title sponsor for this weekend's coverage, and we appreciate them being part of this coverage. And we also have a bunch more sponsors that have signed on, including horseware and casual products and a little pet bet, have all signed on to uh, provide this live coverage, eight hours live, we're going to be doing from the Kentucky Horse Park. This is only one of, I think, two events every year that sells out the stadium, the All Tech Arena. And you, there won't be a seat to be had. It'll be completely sold out, and people come in all three days to watch it. So the
1: driving show does not sell out the Alltech Arena.
0: No, Road to the Horse does. My,
1: whenever my dad used to see pictures of me competing, he's like, "Why are? Why is nobody there? Are you just practicing?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, people don't come. Nobody comes
0: to watch, comes and watch me." <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about you. Wait, I have
1: a housekeeping thing. Too. Oh, do you? Okay, go ahead. I am totally, I want more people to go like our Facebook page. I saw that we only have a thousand something likes.
0: I know. We're falling way behind horses in the morning.
1: You don't have to go look at anything over there. Just click like on it.
0: (laughs) It'll make Wendy's ego feel better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. feeling so lame.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just search for driving radio show. And you do post good stuff on there. I do. She posts on there almost every day. Yep. And uh, and always interesting, fun stuff about history and carriages and all stuff.
1: I just posted a super cute video of a cow getting rubbed by a mechanical brush.
0: I mean, yeah. What more could you want?
1: I don't know, but I've been watching that all day. It's (laughs) hilarious.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's get started. So where were you born?
1: I was born in uh, Andover, Mass. Well, I lived in Andover. I was born in Lawrence General Hospital. Massachusetts.
0: And now tell me about your parents, because to be honest, I've known you for how long? A lot of years. A lot of years. And I'm still confused by your family.
1: Okay, okay. You need a chart. I should have written a chart. (laughs) But my dad, uh, my dad passed away, actually, just a couple months, I think, before I met you. And my dad was born in uh, communist China. And... uh, you know, the, the revolution, the cultural revolution was going on when he was like, I think he was three. So my uncle was four, my dad was three and the two, my two aunties were two and one years old. And my grandmother, she, my grandmother actually just passed away last month she was 98 years old. Wow. And she was like the bossiest little Chinese lady you've ever seen in your entire life, which I always say that's where I get a lot of my bossiness, bossiness from. <laughs> so uh, my grandfather was away on business when the communists actually came through her town. And um, she always tells us she was a princess. We don't know if this is necessarily true or there's no history to prove that, but she tells us all she was a princess. So when the communists came, they would um, they would kill the people in power, you know, but so she needed to escape. And she went to the train station and shoved all four kids through a window on the train and then went to the back of the line and told everybody, I got to get on there. My kids are on the train. My kids are on the train. and People let her in. And that's how she got out.
0: And where did the train go? Where did they end up?
1: Oh, it went to like Shanghai. And then she eventually got to Hong Kong. And then she lived in Hong Kong for many years. And then, um, but even still, I can totally believe that story because she never waits in line for anything. She always says some <laughs> excuse why she needs to be in the front of the line. So um, But then uh, she sent my dad and his brother off to Swiss boarding school when they were little kids, like 15, I think. How did she afford that? Well, my grandfather was a, I mean, maybe she was a princess. I don't know. She supposedly buried all this treasure in the ground and, and she made my uncle take her back there, but we, they couldn't find the treasure. But my uncle was, I mean, my grandfather was, um, an inventor and a scientist. So they had a, you know, he had a great job.
0: Wow. What a story. (laughs) Yes. Buried treasure.
1: I know. Yeah, <laughs> we always laugh about it because we're not exactly sure if
0: those are princesses. True you're, you come up. from royalty.
1: I know, but that could be just a fantasy. It could be true. I don't know. Who knows? But um, <laughs> so when my um, my dad and, and my uncle went off to Swiss boarding school, it, it's a, such a super cool story. I used to make my dad tell me this story all the time. This was like you know back in the early '60s. And so she had all their clothes made for them, like, and they were different sizes to fit them as they grew by these Hong Kong tailors. And then all their stuff went into these big trunks, like steamer trunks. And then she loaded them on a boat and they took a boat to Switzerland from Hong Kong. Hmm. And they were in the, like, I don't know if you've seen Titanic, you know, with the third class or mm-hmm. whatever. So they could only stay in their beds for a certain time because they shared the beds with other people. Oh, wow. Well. You know, so you could only be in your bed for like half the time and the other half of the time you had to be walking around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So then uh, my dad, um, he decided he wanted to apply to college and he was applying to this Swiss... Oh, that's why they went to Switzerland, because my grandfather wanted them to go to this engineering school in Switzerland, so they had to learn to speak Swiss, because it was taught in, in Swiss. But they also learned English while they were at this school. And my dad applied to like uh, the Swiss school, and then he also applied to MIT, because he was looking in this big book, and he didn't know what MIT was, but it said, no application fee for Chinese students. So he's like, oh, I'm going to apply. So he applied and he got in, but he wasn't gonna go. He was gonna go to this Swiss school. And his professor said, Are you insane? You just got into MIT (laughs) and he better go. And he didn't know what it was about. And so then he and and my uncle went off to MIT in the 60s.
0: And had no idea that they were going to one of the top engineering schools Uh, in the world.
1: No. And my grandmother was (laughs) pissed. Why? Because my grandmother, you know, I mean, for people that don't live in the United States they see stuff going on in the United States that they think is scary. She thought everybody has guns and, you know, well, she's Chinese, so she's a little bit racist. She's like, you know, there's only Chinese people. there working the Chinese restaurants. What are you doing going to America? You know, she was like <laughs> terrified. She didn't want them to go. So she wrote them a letter in blood because she always likes to write letters in blood to get her point across. Really? Oh, yeah. That's like a common thing for her. You know you're in trouble when you get the letter
0: and it's in her own blood. Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> She's very dramatic. This
0: story is just incredible.
1: Yeah, so then I they got just to picture MIT. this little woman. <laughs> oh, she was so... Yeah, she was super bossy. <laughs> so, so then they got to here to MIT and they both... Well, my uncle actually majored in architecture and my dad, of course, was uh, majored in computer science. And then they started... Um, a company called ATEX which was kind of like the thing that the ATEX system did was set type kind of like you know word wrap like we have on computers now but before we had uh desktop publishing people had to set the type mm-hmm. like so for printing be- yeah so before the ATEX system they still were using like the Gutenberg type like you had to take the little squares yep. of tile by hand that's and right. put that into the machine. So the ATEC system actually made the jump from that to a uh, c- computer setting the, the type.
0: Huh. Because uh, actually we had good friends when I was growing up when I was little that were, had a print shop and mm-hmm. they used to go, let us go in and play with all the little letters. <laughs> right.
1: I know, yeah, that's what it was. It was li- little letters by hand that you would put into a thing and then you'd run the print, you'd run the paper over the ink.
0: And it always smelled good in there. It always smelled it like ink. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then they sold their company to Eastman Kodak. Oh really? Mm-hmm.
0: So what and, did he do after that?
1: Well, after that he decided to retire. Cause he was like they were like the first generation of of like computer people, right? So he retired, but my dad can never retire. So he retired and he moved to Hawaii and he learned to windsurf.
0: Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then um and then he met Jackie, my stepmom, and they would travel around and they windsurf and they had a ton of fun. And but they always loved Hawaii, so that was their home base. But my dad only could stay retired for a couple years and then after that he loved um they also he he had a house in in the Silicon Valley and he loved to you know, he loved the progress of the internet. And I remember one time when I was little, he took me to his friend's house because he and his friend were like angel investors for these up-and-coming coming companies. And guess whose house it was, Glenn? I don't know. Nolan Bushnell. Do you know who Nolan Bushnell is? No. He invented Pong. Oh. <laughs> and he also, so he invented Pong and he started Atari and he also started Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, Really? Yeah, and so because you remember Chuck E. Atari Cheese. Atari and Chucky Cheese games. both. <laughs> yeah, because Chuck E. Cheese had all the video games. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't want to go to this guy's house, Dad. You know, like because I was a kid. And he's like, You're gonna want to go to this house.
2: <laughs> so he <laughs> put me
1: there. And he had like a huge slide in this pool, and he had like this room full of all these video games that he had designed. And we were so excited because it's like, oh look, we can play all these video games for free, and you don't have to keep putting quarters in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. I know. So so he so, what point did horses come into play for you?
1: Oh, when when um, well, okay, you you know, like, there's no secret. My mother and I don't get along. she is, she is just like, <laughs> just. On so many different levels, we just don't match. Like, she wears tons of makeup. She's always worried about what everybody thinks about her. So, when I was little, um, she decided that I should ride because, you know, that's what fancy people do. So, she got me the whole outfit, and then I had to go down to the barn and take riding lessons because she thought horseback riding was like an upper class kind of thing. But the place that she took me to go riding was like this, like the worst, the it was like the worst barn to go riding at you could ever imagine. Like they never brushed the horses. It was like really muddy.
0: It was like not this pony super, club approved.
1: No, it wasn't like a fancy stable. But I had a great time. And I I loved the horses. And then after when she realized, like, wow, this is like not very glamorous. <laughs> I used to love to muck the stalls. I used to stay at the barn all day and she'd oh, pick you came me up. And home i dirty? Smell. Oh, yeah. And I smell really bad. <laughs> and she'd be like, this is not really what I thought riding was about. And she wanted me to quit riding, but my dad wanted me to keep going. He loved it. And he thought it was great because I stayed out of tons of trouble.
0: So when you first started riding, were you do- what were you doing, hunter? Or, uh?
1: Uh, I was just starting out trail riding. And then I did hunters when I was a little kid. Like I did uh, 4-H
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then I did Hunters. And, um, and in fact, you know what's really fun is uh, because of Facebook, I am reconnecting with all my old riding trainers. Like, um, oh, and you'll know this person. This, my very first uh, riding instructor was Joy Kellett and her sister is Sue Jacoma. You know Sue Jacoma, the dressage person? Yes, yes. Well, we used to make fun of Sue because Sue decided she didn't want to jump anymore. She was going to do dressage. We're like, Sue, come on, dressage. How lame. She does pretty well with that now. And then I picked up the, uh, I saw Practical Horseman or something. And like, here's Sue on the cover of Practical Horseman. So I called her and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're on the cover of Practical Horseman. I'm so sorry we were teasing you back then.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So now you uh so you continued to do that and at what point then did 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 you drive your first horse?
1: Oh, well, I um well, I went off to college, so I stopped. Yeah, Where did you go me? to college? I went to San Jose State.
0: Okay. You decided my dad you was living, ca- Oh, he was yeah, surfing dad was out in California, in, that's right. Yeah,
1: and he he had a house <laughs> in Silicon Valley and he he was actually renting it out to his friend. Um And so I was like, I remember it snowed in Massachusetts on like Easter. And I was like, this is it. I hate it here and I'm leaving. And so I told my dad I wanted to, I was not very good in school, in my high school days. Uh, But anyway, so I had bad grades, so I couldn't go to Stanford. So I was like, well, good, I'm going to San Jose State. All you have to do is sign up. You don't have any like entrance examination. So I just, in fact, actually, I think I started at community college, which was awesome. It was like a mile from the house, and I could just ride my bike. And I took things like tennis <laughs> and English. It was really fun. And um, so I lived at home with his friend, Huming. and I had a great time in California. And then I went to, And then I went to San Jose State, and I got my degree in molecular biology. And... I was fox hunting while I was living there. I I fox hunted with uh, Los Altos hounds. And I thought that was like the best thing I ever did in my life. Fox hunting for sure is way more fun than driving, way more fun than anything. Um, And then...
0: You and my wife agree on that one.
1: Yeah, fox hunting is the best. And then I went to vet school in North Carolina. And... uh,
0: now, was vet could, school really hard to get into back then like it was now, like it is now?
1: It was really hard to get into. I had really good grades. I mean, I was a bad student in high school, but when I got to college, I, you know, changed, changed myself around.
0: And anybody that knows you now like I do is going, I can't believe she made it through college, let alone vet school. I know.
1: Well, <laughs> I had this great mentor. Not that you're
0: dumb. It's just that uh, the work ethic thing, the ADD kicking in.
1: The ADD. Yeah. I know. Well, I was boarding my horse at this stable in California, Webb Ranch. And my and it's like a condo for horses. So, you, you know, you rented a stall in the barn and, and it was California. So they had like a little run out thing. And my neighbor was this woman, Cynthia, that was like this super awesome scientist. And she's like, you know what you got to do? This was like in the 90s. She's like, you need to major in molecular biology. They have a great program at San Jose. And then, you know, you can work in my lab. So I, I was like, okay. I didn't know what that was about, but I was like, that sounds good. So I did that. And it was actually super cool because it was like the kind of the beginning stage of biotech. Like they had just kind of put PCR into the mainstream of what we were doing. And it was really fun. And I worked in her lab in the summers. And I was on the road to Big Pharma, Glenn. Were you? Yeah, I was on the road to Big Pharma. And sometimes I look back and think, why the hell didn't I didn't do that? that I'd be
0: so rich right now. <laughs> you'd be retired by now.
1: I know. I was a big pharma in the Bay Area. I would. I would be like a billionaire. Oh, right. you'd
0: have been bored. You'd have been in a lab all day, every day. Oh, you'd have been bored.
1: Whatever. I'd be rich. But anyway, so <laughs> foolishly, I applied to vet school, and I got in.
0: Well, let's take a break here. I want to come back and find out. Uh, we'll get to the ultimate question is how you got started driving, and then we'll talk, uh, we'll talk in the second half here about your driving career, which I think a lot of people don't know much about. So let's do that coming up right after this word. Wendy and I would like to remind you how important a membership to the American Driving Society is. Many of our listeners have joined the ADS since hearing about it on the show. Is it your turn? The benefits of membership include four issues of the award-winning The Whip magazine, featuring all the latest news, trends, and how-to articles for the sport of carriage driving. Every ADS member looks forward to getting this every quarter. Two issues of the Omnibus, the ADS Guide to all the recognized competitions around the country. The Buyer's Guide, the number one resource for goods and services for carriage driving community plus 8 copies of the Wheel Horse newsletter sent out in an enhanced full color electronic format or a black and white paper copy mailed directly to your home access to the members only section of the ADS website which includes a comprehensive membership directory dressage tests and the rule book and an ADS membership card and decal to display your membership proudly go to the org today to get your ADS membership tell them Wendy and Glenn sent you If you're a driving fan, then you need a subscription to the Driving Digest. It is just that simple. It's the finest magazine for drivers all over the United States with the most informative articles and the best pictures, of course. Get yours today at drivingdigest.com. That's drivingdigest.com. Well, welcome back, everybody. And today we are doing something a little different on The Driving Show. As you know, we are I'm interviewing Wendy. We're learning about Wendy's life. You know, we've been doing this show for almost five years, I think. So we might as well learn something about the host, right? <laughs> After I five know, years, five
1: years, I can't believe it.
0: I know it's been a long time. So now we uh, we were at the point where you went to vet school. How was vet school for you?
1: Oh, I loved it. Yeah. If anybody's thinking of going to vet school, I can highly recommend North Carolina State. It's a great school.
0: Now, did you buckle uh, down, or what was you know? Did you really focus on studies?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. Well.
2: Mm.
1: Now that I look back, no. Well, you know what was great about North Carolina? First of all, the barn is right there on campus. So you can, um, you know, because I I knew I wanted to be a horse vet. So I wanted to be able to be in the horse hospital as much as I could. And a lot of other schools, the horse hospital is off-site. And you only get there your last year, but I, I needed some like hands-on stuff. So that's why I went there. But then also, Glenn, did you know what they have? They have a working dairy where the kids now make oh, really? their own ice cream and they sell ice cream. Huh. I know we didn't have ice cream when we were there, but we had a, a goat breeding farm and I was in charge of the goats. I was a goat sex girl. So I would take the goats. Um, what do we name them? Sly after Sly Stallone and uh What's that other guy that's married to Goldie Hahn?
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: You know that guy? So, anyways, we named them after movie stars, and it was my job to take them out to have sex with the girls. <laughs> and uh and you were the we breeding al-
0: you were the goat breeding manager? Yeah, I was the goat breeding
1: manager. <laughs> and then um it was a volunteer position. I didn't get paid. <laughs> and then we also had a horse breeding uh herd. So we got to breed quarter horses. And we had, you know what we had that was really fun? We had turkeys and ducks and uh, chickens in a commercial house. Huh. And you could go into the turkey house and if you sit down, all the turkeys come at you like zombies. <laughs> it's actually super fun.
0: So this was really, I mean, you you learned to work on all the animals there.
1: Yeah, you, it, you don't have to track at North Carolina, so you do everything. It's actually very fun. And, um... North Carolina, the like Raleigh area is really has really grown since I've been there. But when I, I was there, it was still very horsey. Um, so I lived on a little horse farm, and I had a you know retired my retired show hunter, and um, I started breeding my Irish drafts there. Oh, really? And
0: yeah, I didn't realize you were into that so early.
1: Oh yeah, I was like. I was like a diehard Irish draft person for a while, but the politics just got to me. Um, But yeah, I I loved the Irish drafts and I was breeding them and importing them to my little farm. And then uh, I was out trail riding one day and I came across this girl with this carriage and it was Dee Dee Bushneck, who we've had on the show before. And Dee Dee drives Morgans and Welsh ponies. And I was like, wow, that looks fun. She's like, Yeah, you should come out. And I'm like, mm, I should, but that looks, you know, fun for you, but I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> so um, then I saw Didi at the hunt ball and she had offered a uh, a lesson, you know, for the silent auction. So I thought, oh, I should do that. So I just I bought the lesson at the silent auction and I went out and took my first driving lesson and it was um, in a meadowbrook on this bumpy like field and i was like this is terrifying i don't know why you do this i thought (laughs) it was super scary and i never wanted to do it again
0: which is the reaction of most riders when they first do a carriage
1: yeah and i was gripping the seat of the meadowbrook with my legs like really tightly you know and every time i was trying to turn i was like kicking i was using my legs and um so i thought well i'm not gonna Drive, But then Dee, Dee wore me down and showed me how much fun it was. And I just I started doing more and more. And I, I loved it.
0: Hmm. Now, was it, w- did you start driving then from there?
1: Yeah, I, I was driving her horses. You know, I was going over and taking lessons. And then um, I thought it would be fun for the Irish drafts to drive. Because the Irish drafts in Ireland, they used to have a class called the utility class. And it was for the mares, and they had to be shown with a foal next to them. Then you also had to ride them, and then you had to drive them to a carriage, and then you had to pull a little log through an obstacle course. Because the Irish drafts in Ireland were like an all around farm horse. And so I thought, oh, that'd be fun. So I, I made Dee Dee train my Irish draft mare how to drive. I started driving
0: her. What was your first carriage? Oh, my or first card? carriage.
1: It must have been a Metabrook,
0: Isn't it everybody's?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it was.
0: I think it's a law. I think it's required.
1: But I don't think my Metabrook lasted very long because I remember having this huge wreck and it splintered into a million pieces. (laughs) Like, I... I I can't remember if this was my carriage or not. But anyways, my dog... I had this dog cookie that I bottle-fed. It was a lab. And she had absolutely no rules i was a super bad mother i'm so glad i didn't have kids because i didn't discipline cookie at all and she was wild and cookie like ran in between the horse and the carriage and i ran her over with the meadowbrook so of course it flipped over and i got dumped out and then the horse ran with the carriage and nobody behind it and then tried to jump this fence but didn't realize the carriage was attached to him and the carriage split into a million pieces (laughs) but he was a good fox hunter that thing could jump anything i mean he would have made it it's just the carriage
2: (laughs) that never goes well
1: (laughs) and then you know what this is a funny story about the carriage it was like in a million pieces right and you remember swanson chapel he's a carriage restorer we've had him on the show before yes swanson's like i'll take those pieces i'm like what are you gonna do with these pieces of stuff and he actually put that thing back together and he had it and sold it at martin's
0: as a usable carriage
1: Yes, it was drivable. I was like, I don't I don't understand how this is possible, but he did it.
0: So when was the when did you get the bug to go compete?
1: Um well I lived in Raleigh. So at the time uh, Southern Pines was one of our it was a big mecca for carriage driving. But Southern Pines was also super cool. If you've never been there, it's like the 3000 acre moss foundation is right there, and that was donated by some fox hunters to the people of Southern Pines and all these farms are around this area and you can, uh, all the farms have easements in between so you can ride and drive all over town. So I went down there, Fox hunting, I think. And then I saw this combined driving and I thought, wow, that looks super fun. So they, it was called yellow frame farm. I'm sure some of our listeners will remember yellow frame farm. Uh, that was the first combined driving show I went to see and then I decided that I wanted to do that. So I um, I bought a little Welsh pony. And uh, I bought a different carriage, like a three-phase carriage. And I went to my first combined driving event down there.
0: Did you have a coach at that point?
1: Um, I a- actually didn't have a coach because Didi didn't really like combined driving at the time. She did more pleasure driving. But um, because I just showed up like a total... You know, dummy, not knowing anything. Luckily, Randy and Katie saw me and
0: took like, pity on you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they were like, "I was like, who are all these bossy girls?" But then I realized, like, oh, I do really need help. <laughs> so they used to help me all the time. They're like, "What are you doing? Don't walk that way. You can't make that turn. What are you thinking?"
0: Uh, and uh, let's let's also mention you were the only Asian girl they had ever seen show up at a driving competition. <laughs>
1: And you know who was one of my very first friends was in combined driving? Megan Bench. Oh, yeah. Because Megan's dark, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, you were the only one.
1: But also, Megan Megan breeds Welsh ponies, so she loved my pony.
0: So that's how it started with one.
1: Yeah, and, I just had one single pony.
0: And how long did you compete in singles?
1: Well, I had that pony, and then I, uh, I sold him, and I started to drive my Irish drafts. You know, actually, how I started to drive my Irish drafts? This lady wanted to have a clinic at my house. So I said, fine. So she brings this guy. This, you know, you know how I feel about European trainers, right? I'm not going to say it on the air, but they don't always have to be good. They have to have an accent and something else, and they somehow have credibility. So this guy comes to my house and she doesn't have anybody to fill the clinic. So I start dragging horses out so that he can at least do something. So I say, well, long line, this one. So within like about four seconds, he has my 17 hand Irish draft who is like a saint. Okay. This horse is like the easiest horse. He has him on his hind end and then starts whipping him. And then he fell over backwards and was whipping him when he was on the ground Mm. in this clinic. And I was like, okay. This demonstration's over. Over,
0: out of my house.
1: <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, this horse will never drive. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> this horse will never drive. And I was never planning on driving this horse. But then since that guy said that, I'm like, this horse is going to drive. <laughs> so that was Jeremy Finch, my big chestnut horse. And I, uh, I took him through advanced. But you know what, Glenn?
0: Was he the first horse you took up to to advance?
1: Yeah, he was my first dance horse, but he had lyme disease. Oh, really? And he he just I couldn't keep him sound uh, with the lymes, and I think maybe if I knew what I know now, you know, with the Chinese medicine, but I I hadn't done Chinese medicine at that point. So, and I had a a spectacular rollover in 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 the gulch with him.
0: Oh, really? At down here at Live Oak.
1: Yeah, it was my very first show. I decided, um, I I decided I'm gonna go advanced. And I said, and it's wintertime up here in Virginia, so I'm gonna go to Florida and go into this to this show. I was so stupid. I had no idea. (laughs) I had never (laughs) been to Live Oak before. And I was like, I'm just gonna enter advanced live oak with Jeremy. So I go and people were telling me, like, hey you know, this is kind of dangerous here. Just don't come running down the hill at a million miles an hour. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't need your advice. So I come running down the hill at a million miles an hour and my front wheels hit the sand and just like plant. And I go flying out of the carriage. Carriage rolls over. You know, like under the bridge there.
0: Was that how you met Chester?
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah.
0: So then he found I'm you just, in a pile of dirt on his farm. Yeah,
1: and I'm still <laughs> holding on to the reins. Right. And I'm under the bridge. i getting dragged. First, yeah. He because he's 17 hands. You know, I'm like 150 pounds and the carriage is like 350 pounds. And he's like a giant Irish draft. So he just keeps going. I don't think he even knew we flipped over and he dragged me up the hill At Live Oak. And then when he got to the top of the hill, it started to get a little tough. Like, I I guess it was pulling too hard on his mouth while I was being dragged and the sand was going down my pants. So he stood up on his hind end, this 17-hand horse at the top of this hill. And somebody had a picture of it. And they they erased it because they said it was too graphic. And I was like, God, I would pay a million dollars for that
0: picture. Did he come down on you?
1: No, no, he was no. I was way back. Oh, you in,
0: were way back. He, yeah, you were being drugged. So, <laughs> That's so, how I learned water skiing the first time to let go of the to let go of the ropes when you fall.
1: I, exactly. Uh, you, I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't going to let go because this is my horse. <laughs> so I got to the top, and then like four people ran in and grabbed him, and I was like, "Phew! Thanks for grabbing him." <laughs> and I was like, "Let's untack, and I'll go back to the barn." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, get in this carriage right now, and they put me back in the carriage. And they're like, you're gonna finish. And I'm like, are you insane? I just rolled over. I have sand in my pants. I'm crying. All my watches Sorry, were stopped. Is- I'm like, I don't want to keep going. And they're like, this is combined driving. You're gonna keep going. Which I think in the rules now, when you roll over, you have to retire. So I'm like, Jesus. Okay, fine. So. I go and I'm crying on the way out of the gulch, <laughs> but I hadn't eliminated myself because I guess I went through all the gates. So I go, none of my watches are working and I start to get my confidence back and I finish. So Come over the stop line. The, the you know,
0: I come the Did you the have tent. a navigator at that point? Yeah, I had yeah. a navigator. Where was the navigator? <laughs>
1: she was Huh?
0: Did you have your navigator fallen off?
1: Well, she said, well, she saw that we were rolling, so she stepped off. Well, yeah, like, no oh, kidding. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> hey, maybe she's a
0: smart one.
1: <laughs> why don't you lean on the other side? But, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I we finished, and I actually didn't get any penalties except for the rollover, which is 60, but you know, like I came in the time <laughs> and I finished the marathon. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I'm like, just, I just want to get to the end. And I see this woman walking towards me with this shoulder bag and a peak on a stick. And I'm like, no, this can't be happening. So of course I got drug te- drug tested as I'm of coming off the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, this day can't get any better. <laughs> but I finished.
0: You know, I've always I always wondered how you knew everybody in driving. It's because they all saw that first event.
1: Because I'm that girl. It's when you and Jamie <laughs> talk about that girl. And so they gave me actually the sportsmanship award at the end. That's when I first met Chester. He awarded me the sportsmanship award because of my
2: disastrous
1: performance. And that's the only awards I've ever won at Live Oak. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I am that girl. (laughs) So you met Chester because you were in the dirt, uh, eating dirt for about a half a mile on his farm. Yeah, that's how you met Chester. That's how I met. That's funny. I never knew that story.
1: (laughs) It's actually not funny. It's kind of awful, (laughs) but I
0: can't can't help it. All right. So now, now, when did you go from singles to pairs and then fours? Oh
1: well. You know, this pony that's coming home to retire? Ghosty? Yeah. So I was, um, you know, I had this other Welsh pony and, and the lady that bred it, she used to like to send me these ponies and they were wild, like, untouched by human hands. I don't know why I did this for it, but I mean, some of them were nice. She calls me and she says, Wendy, you have to take this pony. I sold this 12-hand pony to these people and they told me it's a killer pony. It jumped out of the crosshairs and attacked the husband. And I was like, Well, it's 12 hands. Like, what damage could it have done? (laughs) So anyways, this pony comes to me, and he was super cute. His name is Ghosty. And, um, I mean, he already knew how to drive. He was, like, perfect. And I also had another hackney pony at the time named Caroline. And uh, they didn't go as a pair. Oh, I know, but I needed to get a harness for Ghosty, so I got this um, harness that went pair and tandem. It was like a um, Tedman harness. And I was like, oh, look, I could go pair in tandem because I have the harness for it, and I have two ponies that did- they didn't match at all. Okay? But Mickey Bowen was staying at my farm that winter, and so Mickey Bowen taught me how to drive pair in tandem. And then I entered um, the Laurels. Remember the old show, The Laurels? hmm Pennsylvania? Yeah, I entered the Laurels with the pair. It was going to be my first-time pair. And Jamie O'Rourke was running the show Oh, no, no, I entered tandem because I had been practicing tandem. So Jamie O'Rourke called me and he's like, you can't go tandem. I said, why? He goes, it's too dangerous. You're going to have to go pair. And I was like, fine. You know, I was like, Mickey, Jamie won't let me enter the show tandem. She goes, well, does he know you've never driven pair? I'm like, no, he doesn't know I've never driven pair, but he won't let me go tandem. She's like, well, pair's easier. Just go pair. So I went up to the show and... Glenn, I didn't even know how to adjust my reins. I had never driven pair, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, if he thought tandem was dangerous, think of how dangerous this is." That I don't know how to drive pair, and the ponies have never gone pair.
0: <laughs> and that was your first pair show.
1: That was my first pair go? show. I have to. Add. It went great, actually. I won one of the hazards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you've always been better with less practice. I know. You know. I know. You've always been better that way.
1: But then I didn't really. I wasn't too into. I wasn't too into multiples because it was really hard, and you needed a lot of help,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And I was used to riding, and when you're used to riding and going to shows by yourself, you you don't you don't you know with pairs you always need somebody with you, so you need a permanent groom. Um, so anyways, I sold those ponies on, and then I stumbled across Duke and Dante, which you know Duke and Dante, Yeah, yeah. And this woman called me and she she said, I have this horse pair for sale, Arab Welsh. And I was like, I'm not even going to go look at that. Like, why don't Arab Welsh? I had my fancy Irish drafts. And Sterling actually said, because he was a, a hoarder. So he's like, come on, let's go look, because he's always wanting to buy, it, even though he has way too many horses. So we go up there. And I see Duke trot across the field, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I have to have these ponies!" <laughs> so I didn't even drive them or anything. I didn't even ride them or drive them. I just bought them. <laughs> and in fact, the lady that I we bought don't
0: them recommend from, that, by the way, no.
1: I but I mean, everybody does that sometimes. Her name's uh, Myrna Brown, and she actually drives small ponies. She lives in Ocala now. You've probably seen her. Okay. And she put a great start on Duke and Dante she taught their father to drive in Oregon and she got paid by the breeder. Julie Mahoney gave her Duke and Dante and then she trained Duke and Dante to drive. They drove pair and they rode and then I got them. And then I thought, wow, pair is really hard, but it turns out they're a horrible pair because Duke walks like really fast and Dante walks really slow. So, Duke was doing all the pulling and Dante was just letting him do all the work. So that's when I started driving them more tandem.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: And, um, and then I did a ton of stuff with them. And then I realized uh, um, that they weren't weaned from each other because uh, they had always been together their entire life. So I started riding them more and I would take one out of the stall and the other one would go insane. And I was like, okay, this is not happening. You're five years old. You have to be weaned. So I started riding them and driving them single more. And then I brought them both through advanced. And Dante ended up being a national, USEF national champion with Sterling driving. And I was USEF reserve champion with Duke.
0: Wow. I didn't realize But you
1: know why I was reserve champion? Why? I think I sent you these pictures here's another lie. I, I think I did get the sportsmanship award for this one too. Um, I was in cones. I was leading and I'm never leading cause Duke is really ratty in dressage. And you know, they added the canner part of the dressage test and it was like disaster. Right. So I always started out like in the high sixties of combined driving dressage, which is bad. Okay. That's you want to be the lowest score possible. So I started off like way back and then, um, Duke was so awesome. He like won the marathon. And in fact, the night before marathon, um, Chester was training me at this point. I was taking lessons with Chester. And I was super tired, just like the whole Live Oak experience. And I was coming down with the flu. So I said, I can't do night check. I'm just going to go in and sleep. So I had somebody else do my night check, which was a bad idea. So I get a call from Chester six in the morning. He's like, "Get over here right now! Get over here to my barn. Your horse has been running around Live Oak all night." Oh, he got out. Well, somebody left his stall open.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: So he he was out and eating grass, but then there's that like rope around the stables. So he must have gotten outside the rope, and then now he's free. And Live Oak is five thousand acres, right? And he was running all over Live Oak. Olaf Larson was dumping the manure spreader at like four in the morning. And he said it was like the Black Stallion. You know where the Normandy barn is, the racetrack barn? Yes, yep. He said he just heard these thundering hooves in the <laughs> middle of the night and screaming like the Black <laughs> Stallion was free. And he's like, he went to the, the the racetrack barn and he said, one of the babies is out. And they couldn't find it. All the babies were there. So then... A couple hours go by and Duke ends up at Chester's personal barn. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm ready for breakfast. And when I got over there, he was in this stall, like in this beautiful barn, like bedded up to his knees in straw. And he had these beautiful Swedish girls that had groomed him because he was sweaty. And I went to get him and he's like, I'm not leaving here. He didn't want to go back to the tent stables. <laughs>
0: He wanted a so, nice barn.
1: I know. So I had to pony him back to the tent stable, which is like like a mile away. And Chester's like, How are you gonna do marathon? He's been <laughs> running around all night. I'm like, look, he never gets tired. He's probably gonna be my best marathon ever. And he actually was awesome. I actually like I think I won the marathon. I can't remember. But I I ended up doing so well on marathon that I was going into cones winning. And I never go into cones winning. I always go into cones like without a prayer. And then hopefully I go clean and come in somewhere second or third. So I'm going into cones winning. And I was kind of freaking out because I was like, Shit. you know, like I am never going in first. So I was really worried. But the only person close to me was like Sterling by a ball with Dante, which I was happy if Dante won, but also, you know, Sterling, he never goes clean and cone, So I wasn't worried at all. Right. I was (laughs) like, okay. And everybody else is like six balls behind me. So like, I got this. So I go in and it was the, it was 2008. So all the foreign hands had started coming out to practice for WEG, but we weren't all that like, they weren't all that great at steering their first time out. So Cindy um, O'Reilly Bob Cook's daughter was driving the four mares. Remember her? Cindy? Cindy yes. Joe? Yep. So Cindy, like, misjudged the bridge and just kind of, like, split the her leaders with the bridge and, like, drove the carriage up. This Ooh. is the bridge in Cones. So the carriage went up on two wheels. so It was, like, totally took down the bridge. So it was, like, all a wreck. But they put it back together. But it was... Still a little bit. something. It must have been a little bit wobbly. Because by the time it was time for me to go in cones. And like, remember this. Cones is like my best face with Duke. So, but he had studs on, you know, for his shoes. So he wouldn't slip in the grass. I, I go over the bridge. It was like cone eight or nine. or No, it wasn't. It was like the end. I was at the end. So I go over the bridge and his stud gets stuck in the, between the boards. And he totally wipes out, like down on his front. And I was in a two-wheel carriage. (laughs) So I was getting launched out on the pictures. I'll have to show you these pictures. I'm getting launched out of this carriage. And Duke, I don't know how he does it, just stands up, throws me back in the carriage, and he's fine. So me, you know, this is typical for me. I'm like, wow, that was super dangerous. And I was crying, and I was ready to... Quit. You know, I'm like, I better go in my poor pony. I'm sure he's hurt. Blah, blah, blah. So I start walking back to the in gate and all of a sudden I hear Chester yelling, get up, go right now. Get up and go. Do not come back to this in gate. And I was like, wow, I was scared. I was like, how am I going to get out? Because Chester's is going to kill me if I leave. <laughs> So I was like, okay. So I took a deep breath. I am like, okay, I got to finish. So I was like, I don't even know where I am now. I was like hoping I was at cone 10. Who knows? I just, so I just started. And I was like getting my groove back. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm doing it. But I have no idea now, right, how long I've been down or like feeling sorry for myself or whatnot. So I've totally lost track of time. And I'm like, crap, I only have... One ball between me and Sterling. He, and he's gone clean now for the first time ever in his life, of course. <laughs> and I have no idea how many time penalties I got. So I'm like, I don't mind losing to Dante, but I don't want to lose on time. That's just lame. So I only had three balls left, three cones left. And I was like, I just have to gallop in because I don't know what time I'm at. So I galloped in the last three cones and I hit cone 20.
0: Oh, no, the last and one, the last one. And it came down. And that's how you got second.
1: That's how I got second by like a tenth of a point. Or yeah, something.
0: but you got beat by your own horse. So that's I know it wasn't bad. so bad, but I was just
1: like and I had way too much time. I had tons of time. I didn't have to gallop at all. I could have walked in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I you are go. that girl. <laughs> I know.
1: I am that girl.
0: All right, so we're running out of time, but let's fa- let's really fast forward. And how far did you get with the fours? You were shortlisted for the WAG in two thousand and ten. No, I
1: wasn't. I actually qualified for the forehand, but um, you know, doing the forehand was uh like a huge challenge, and I'm glad I did it. But my dad was really sick at, at the end that last year, so that was another thing. I just he passed away like two weeks before I would have shown at WAG. So that just was not a possibility for me, but um, but I was I had fun doing the four. I learned a ton. I really thank the USEF for the developing drivers program. It was really awesome. I could have never done it without the USEF. And um, you know, I I did the four in hand for some different reasons than other people, which the German coach didn't really understand because I did it because I wanted to take Duke and Dante to do that because I had done them singles, pairs. I had done them intermediate tandems. And then I wanted to do, when I heard about WEG, I thought, well, I I think I could do four in hand. And everybody told me, no, you can't. You can't do four in hand. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, I did that. And, of course, thanks to Chester for teaching me so much about four in hand, being like so supportive you know, like just not just with his knowledge, but his his, you know, he's he was my biggest cheerleader when I was doing that and told me I could do it.
2: Hmm.
1: So and um, I the reason that I had a trouble qualifying, too, is that at the time you had to have all your horses qualified in all phases. And my dressage was so bad because Duke did a lot of cantering in the team. I also had this one time at Live Oak where I was doing dressage with the team and I halted at X and it's that beautiful grass arena. And so Duke liked to back up a couple steps and then graze. And he did that while I was FEI four in hand at Live Oak. He grazed at X when I was in my dressage. <laughs> That's and never I think, good. And, and Dr. Vetter was at... at See, and he was laughing. I could hear him laughing from the booth. (laughs) And and then I thought back to it. I was like, you know what? I think Duke has grazed at every live oak at X. I think that's just his thing.
0: (laughs) The grass is good there. It's really nice.
1: It was really nice. And he thought that was really funny. But he was, I mean, they were superstars. They, having leaders like that allowed me to really learn how to do that. And I I mean, I had some great moments with the team. Dressage has never been my strong suit in any configuration. Uh, but the marathon, they were so good. And I mean Randy and Keaty helped me so much. You know, they uh besides Randy, Keaty and Chester loaning me some great horses, they also, you know, trained me. And Randy was my navigator for many of the marathons, which made a big difference. Cause You know, when you're driving team, you're kind of slow about taking your loops and you have to get your timing. And Randy has navigated for so many four-in-hands. She navigated for her sister and, you know, she herself drives four-in-hands. So it was really, it was really fun. There's nothing like it. That's why I can't show anymore.
0: I know. That's the reason that, you know, people have asked why you don't show anymore. I said, you know, driving a single is boring after you drove four through an obstacle.
1: It is. Yeah. I mean, I maybe would go back to Tandem cuz Tandem was really fun, but uh but Duke and Dante are older now, you know, and I I really enjoyed showing with with them. It was really fun. Like I always say um that I love Duke and Dante and all the other horses I've had have been their my pretty pony accessories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cuz I was like, "Oh, I can go to Four with these ponies and you know, they've been, they've been really great. I'm so lucky to have had horses like that. And I'm sure I'll have other horses in my life, but those are definitely like.
0: Well, those are your lifetime horses, just like, you know, we, we all have our lifetime horses. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the rest of them, you love the rest of them, but they're not your lifetime horses, which. You, and you, yeah. you get that lifetime horse, I believe, that you get the lifetime horse at the point in time in your life when you need the lifetime horse.
1: Yeah, and I had the time then. I had the time then to focus on driving, and I, that's what I really wanted to do. I remember saying to myself, "I was my 30th birthday, and um, Johnny and Diane Smith had this big birthday party for me. It was really nice. Oh, because you'll like this part of the story. I, um, it was the millennium, right? It was 2000. So my longtime boyfriend asked me to marry him, and I, you know me, I've never wanted to be married. Ever. But I, ever. <laughs> and he knew this, but he just kept trying. So I finally said, yes, fine. Uh, on the millennium, I must have had too much champagne. But I don't know what happened in between that. You know, my birthday is January 9th. By January 9th, I like had sold my house in North Carolina. I was moving to Virginia, and I was
0: like not getting married. So a nine, that was the You nine were engaged days. for nine days? I was engaged for nine days. And that's the closest she's ever gotten to a permanent relationship.
1: I <laughs> yeah. was engaged for nine days. That's and
0: funny. so
1: I remember at that 30th birthday party, I said, you know what? I said, I think I had just watched like some videos of four-in-hand driving. And I said, when I'm 40, I want to have driven four-in-hand in in competition just once. And so I did it.
0: Well, good for you. Well, those were some fun stories, and I hope everybody enjoyed uh, Wendy's That Girl Adventures. (laughs) It does seem that I attract hosts that are that girl.
1: Well, if you can't laugh at yourself, you cannot be a podcast host.
0: <laughs> you know, we've all had our experiences in life. I certainly have had a few. So, you know, but it does seem like that, you know, between Jamie and Helena and Jennifer and, you know, we've all, it's, you've, you've been all that girl. You really have. It's I funny.
1: I know. Well, you know, I don't want to make people feel bad about themselves. That's it. I want them to all get, I want, want everybody to feel else
0: better to about themselves.
1: themselves. Yeah. I want everybody else to have the ribbons. I'm not a ribbon hog. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Wendy, for sharing and for opening up today and giving everybody a little insight to your life and how you went from a little tiny tot to driving foreign hands at at Live Oak without killing yourself uh, or the horses. So... (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. You can find Wendy at drwendyying.com. You can find uh, us on Facebook. Just search for The the Driving Radio Show. And also drivingradioshow.com is where you can find all the past episodes that we have done over the last five years. And that is it for today. We'll be back again next week. Thank you, everybody. Off to road to the horse for me. See you, Wendy. All right. Keep the shiny side up.